as I come around the corner, my headlights hit this animal in the road. Really low in the sky were these floating balls of light. Five or ten seconds earlier, I watched, you know, a six-foot-one, 270-pound guy walk right onto that elevator. The doors closed, they opened back up, and he wasn't there. I heard a low growling sound. I can't sleep, can't do nothing. I'm afraid the thing's going to come through my wall. I mean, it just sounded absolutely evil. Monsters Among Us podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, and MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. Episode 606, Series 6, Episode 6, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, is an ongoing discussion regarding the Cthulhu Mythos and its timeline regarding Earth, from its Big Bang to its slow decay, the death of the sun, and further on. To be a part contact db spitzer at pgttcm at gmail.com or join the discussion on facebook or twitter we're always looking for readers writers poets weirdos and other strange folk remember to rate review and subscribe to pgttcm on itunes and stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts people's guide to the cthulhu mythos is brought to you by bunnyslippers.com and founditemclothing.com Hey New Zealand and Australia Keep your feet warm this winter with some Cthulhu slippers from bunnyslippers.com Get your favorite shirt from your favorite cult film from founditemclothing.com Screen accurate representations of your favorite cult films from your favorite cult filmmakers uh, of t-shirts founditemclothing.com Greetings, listeners. It is I, D.B. Spitzer, here to talk to you once again about the Cthulhu Mythos. Its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature, and things that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more, we head into those dark woods. Once again, we head down those lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. Check out the show's merch table at society6.com slash dbspitzer76. That's S-P-I-T-Z-E-R. That's society, the number 6.com slash dbspitzer76. Cool shirts and mugs and stuff. Or just go to the website and click on the store. Greetings, listeners. This week we'll be talking about the Necronomicon. Let's waste no time. History of the Necronomicon by Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Ever hear of the guy? Original title, Al-Azif. Azif being the word used by Arabs to designate the nocturnal sound made by insects. Supposed to be howling of demons. Composed by Abdul Alhazred, a mad poet of Sinai in Yemen, who is said to have flourished during the period of the Omade Salifs, circa 7000 AD. He visited the ruins of Babylon and subterranean secrets of Memphis, and spent ten years alone in the great southern desert of Arabia. The Roiba el Kalye, or empty space of the ancients, and the Dalna, or Crimson Desert of the Modern Arabs, 
which is held to be inhabited by protective evil spirits and monsters of death. Of this desert, many strange and unbelievable marvels are told by those who pretend to have penetrated it. In his last year, Al-Hazred dealt in Damascus, where the Necronomicon Al-Azif was written, and of his final death or disappearance in 7038 AD. Many terrible and conflicting things are told. He is said by Ibn Khaldkan, 12th century biographer, to have been seized by an invisible monster in broad daylight and devoured horribly before a large number of fright-frozen witnesses. Of his madness, many things are told. He claimed to have seen fabulous Iram, or City of Pillars, and to have found beneath the ruins a certain nameless desert town, the shocking annuals and secrets of a race older than mankind. He was only an indifferent Muslim, worshipping unknown entities whom he called Yog sothoth and Cthulhu in 950 AD, as if which had gained a considerable though surreptitious circulation amongst the philosophers of the age, was secretly translated into Greek by Theodorus Plitius of Constantinople under the title Necronomicon. For a century it impelled certain examiners to terrible attempts. When it was suppressed and burnt by the patriarch Michael. After this, it's only heard of futurively. 1228, Oleus Wormus made a Latin translation later in the Middle Ages, and the Latin text was printed twice, once in the 15th century in black letter, evidently in Germany, and once in the 17th century, probably Spanish, both editions being without identifying marks and located as to time and place by internal typographical evidence only. The work, both Latin and Greek, was banned by Pope Gregory VIII, 1232. Shortly after its Latin translation, which called attention to it, the, the Arabic original was lost as early as Wormius's time, as indicated by his prefactory note, and no sight of the Greek copy, which was printed in Italy between 1500 and 1550, and which has been reported since the burning of a certain Salem man's library in 1692. An English translation was made by Dr. D, but never printed, and exists only in fragments recovered from the original manuscript of the Latin text now existing one 15th century. is to be known in the British Museum under lock and key, while another 17th century is in the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris. A 17th century edition is in the Widener Library at Harvard, and in the Library of Miskatonic University at Arkham, also the Library of the University of Buenos Aires. Numerous other copies probably exist in secret, and a 15th century one is persistently rumored to be part of a collection of a celebrated American millionaire. A still vaguer rumor credits the preservation of a 16th century Greek text to a Salem family of Pikmin. But if so, it was so preserved. It vanished with artist R.U. Pickman, who disappeared in early 1926. The book is rigidly suppressed by the authorities of most countries and, and by any branches of organized ecclesiasticism. Reading leads to terrible consequences. 
It was from rumors of this book, relatively few of the general public know, that Robert W. Chambers is said to have derived the idea of his early novel, The King in Yellow. And that was The History of the Necronomicon by H.P. Lovecraft. Hey listeners, remember to support PGTTCM by hitting the donate button and uh, submitting books or stories to PGTTCM or PGTTCM.com. Also use our Amazon link. This week, a uh, listener bought uh, a ni- ni- nitrile cock ring male erection enhancement. Stay hard. Set of three cock rings. Black. Discreet packaging. Uh, we got 36 cents out of that $8 sale just to let that listener know thank you for buying those cock rings and let all the other listeners know you can go to Amazon uh, using the link on our website and the RSS feed at pgtgcm.podbean.com. Click on the Amazon link, which I believe right now is Baba D's Sex and the Cthulhu Mythos, which we will eventually do an episode about. But right now, it's just our Amazon link. But hey, thanks for using the Amazon link. Back to the show. Abdul Alhazred was a pseudonym adopted by Lovecraft after reading A Thousand and One Arabian Nights in his early childhood. The name may have been invented by Lovecraft himself or by Philip's family lawyer, Albert Baker. Abdul is a Arabic common component, meaning servant of the powerful, but never a name by itself. Al-Hazred may allude to Hazard, a reference to the book's destructive and dangerous nature, or to Lovecraft's ancestor by that name. It may have also been a play on Al-Hazred, since Lovecraft was a avid reader in his youth with Abdul meaning slave of. Abdul al read could mean slave of all that has been read in reference to Lovecraft and his youthful all-consuming pursuit or to his creation of the Cthulhu mythos and being a slave of it while its creators. It's more aptly applies to the character Abdul al read who is truly enslaved by what he has read and become a servant of unfathomable evil. Another possibility raised in an essay by the Swedish fantasy writer and editor Richard Breghorn is the name Alhazred was influenced by references to two historic authors whose names were Latinized as Alhazen, Alhazen ben Joseph, who, who translated Ptolemy into Arabic, and Abu Ali Alhazen ibn al-Hayamthan, who wrote about optics, mathematics, and physics. Ibn al-Halyatham is said to have pretended to be mad to escape the wrath of a ruler. Abdul al-Hazred is not a real Arabic name, and seems to contain the Arabic-defined article Morphine al twice in a row, anomalous in terms of Arabic grammar apparently. The more pro- the more proper Arabic form might be Abd al Hazred or Abdul Hazred. In Arabic translation, his name has appeared as Abdullah al Hazred. 
Arabic Hazra, he, he fenced in, uh, he, pro, mm, he prohibited. Hazred could come from the Arabic word Hazrat, meaning great lord with a twist that makes it sound like red and hazard. Both indicate danger. August Derleth later made alterations to the biography of Al-Hazred, such as redating his death to 731 AD. Agidog also changed Al-Hazred's final faith, described in his short story The Keeper of the Key, first published in May 1951. In the story, Professor Laban Shrewsbury, a reoccurring Agidog character, and his assistant at the time, Nalin Colum, discover Al-Hazred's burial site. While the two are heading a caravan from Salaha, Oman, they, co- um, they cross the border into Yemen and find the unexplored desert area that the Necronomicon calls Roba el Alhaye or Roba el Kaliyahe. 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 Roba el Kaliyahe. Presumably a reference to the empty quarter or Rub al Kali. At the center of the area, they discover the nameless city, the setting of Lovecraft's story of the same name, and in Derleth's text, the domain of the great old one Haster. Shrewsbury, an old agent of Haster and demoted and devoted enemy of Haster's half brother Cthulhu, crosses its gates in search of El Hazred's burial site. He indeed finds Alhazred's burial chamber and learns of its fate. Alhazred had been kidnapped in Damascus and brought through and brought to the nameless city, where he had earlier studied and learned some of the Necronomicon's lore. As punishment for betraying their secrets, Alhazred was tortured and then blinded. They severed his tongue and executed him. Although the entrance to the chamber warns against disturbing him, Shrewsbury opens it up anyways, and, uh, finding only rags, bones, and dust to be the remains in Alhazred's sarcophagus. However, it does contain Alhazred's personal copy of the Necronomicon, written in Arabic. Anyway, Shrewsbury uses the book to find Ralye and put his Alhazred's spirit to eternal rest. This story is brought to you by bunnyslippers.com and founditemclothings.com. PGTTCM is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Check out all of our sponsors and find out their mm, and find their links by going to pgttcm.com or pgttcm.podbean.com. Back to the show. Shotgun rednecks and moonshine wizards face off against eldritch horrors and the Cthulhu mythos. There is a grimoire known as the Necronomicon. It's ancient and powerful, and its name is said to be the sound of howling demons. Upon its yellowed pages are spells and rituals that give terrible knowledge and the power to those mad enough to seek it. The book is bound in human flesh, inked in blood, and contains the name of those who dwell beyond. 
what you got in your paws right now is best described as one part grimoire, one part cookbook. In these pages, you'll read about slayers who fight the good fight to keep this here world spinning just one more day. How slayers cast spells using moonshine and fight monsters with and preserve their souls and sanities with some down-home cooking. That's where I come in. My name is Clifford Barlett. I am a bootlegger, redneck outlaw, and a slayer of nasty things. The Elder Gods are coming, that's for sure, from Cthulhu to Haster. The villainous allies are already here. The world is infested with cults and shoggoth demons, and they do their level best to bring about the end of everything. Sometimes all that stands between them and us is a pan of cornbread. Hope you brought your appetite. That is, Necronomicon Cookbook by Sean Michael Argo. I have to say, this book is quite, quite fun. It's a little bit different than Cooking with Lovecraft, as that is more of a humor book with uh, some recipes. Uh, Necronomicon Cookbook by Sean Michael Argo. It feels something like if one took the White Trash Cookbook and mixed it with gaming notes of someone's, uh, I don't know, Southern Fried Call of Cthulhu game and mixed in some short stories here and there and just kind of had fun with it. It's a, it's a good book. It's a good recipe book. I highly recommend it if one is looking for a good southern cookbook and also is looking for short stories and tales and just kind of an overall arcing kind of hmm, southern Cthulhu story, but also a cookbook, but also super fun. I highly recommend the uh, Necronomicon cookbook. Thanks again for listening to PGTTCM. You can find us online at pgttcm.com, where the RSS feed meets the internet at pgttcm.podbean.com. Rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, also on Stitcher. Find us on social media and join in the fun. Stay squiggly and keep it weird. PGTTCM is a member of the Dark Myths Collective. Edited and produced by D.B. Spitzer. Music by Kevin McLeod. And that is episode 606 of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am D.B. Spitzer. Thank you for listening. Great review, subscribe. In the shadowed recesses of our world, monsters lurk. Beasts from a bygone era, obscured by the thickest forests, deepest oceans, and darkest corners. Despite our reluctance to find them, an unlucky few cross paths. It's these experiences that we explore at Monsters Among Us podcast. My name is Derek Hayes, your faithful host and guide. Each week I explore calls from around the world detailing chilling encounters with mystery beasts, ghosts, UFOs, and a plethora of other strange happenings. You can find Monsters Among Us podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and most other podcatchers. Beware, there truly are monsters among us. <laughs>